Welcome to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. In this podcast, we will be speaking with various real estate and business professionals about real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and financial freedom. So, if you're interested in learning about real estate investing, then stay tuned and be sure to take advantage of the free tips and strategies that will be shared by our weekly guests. And now, your host, Penny Lubinsky. Hello and welcome back to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. I'm your host, Penny Lubinsky. Today, I have a really, really awesome guest by the name of Bailey Creamer. And I'm really, really excited to get into the conversation with him today. He is completely crushing it in real estate. Um, he is way younger than most of our other uh, real estate investors. Um, he is a real estate investor, entrepreneur, podcast host. Uh, he has uncovered his passion for real estate at 19 years old. Um, he's been busy with short-term rentals, long-term rentals, and has recently started his own short-term rental management company. Just super impressive bio right there. Bailey, welcome to the show. Hey, Penny, thanks for having me on. Super excited. Yeah, super excited. And my pleasure to have you on. Um, let's start with what, what kind of inspired you? What kind of like got you started in real estate? I know most people have been working a W-2 before they actually get started investing in real estate. That's not the case for you. At least I don't think so. But let's hear a little bit more about like your background and your story. Yeah. So growing up, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And one of the biggest factors was the classic show Shark Tank, which I'm sure most people have, have watched. So watching that show, I always knew I wanted to create something, be the boss, make a lot of money. Those were kind of the, the, those are honestly the big things. So I went to college, not really knowing what I was going to do after. All I knew was by the time I graduated or finished, I was going to create, I'm going to have a business that I created that's going to sustain me for after college. So I don't have to go get a W2 job. That was just always my, my goal, my thing. So freshman year went by and I kind of just, you know, watched a bunch of videos on YouTube on how to make money and start businesses. And, you know, just that classic, you know, best ways to make money online, that type of thing. And then sophomore year came around. And I'm like, all right, this is my goal. I better, you know, get, get going here. So I just looked up personal finance books, found the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which, you know, another classic, read it. And I was like, this is genius. Like, this is everything he said. I, I honestly agree with, I'm like, this guy's smart. So I, I looked up who the author was, Robert Kiyosaki and on Google, whether it's true or not on Google, it said like Robert Kiyosaki net worth a hundred plus million dollars. And then a majority of that was from real estate. And I was like, real estate, like that's, that's interesting. So then I, so I looked up how to get started in real estate investing, found bigger pockets and you know, the rest is history there. That's kind of where, that's how I got started, you know, learning about real estate was bigger pockets and it kind of snowballed from there. We can talk about that too. Right. I, I think that's amazing. So you were 19 years old, according to your, your bio, when, when you kind of like got that inspiration to start in real estate. I just, I, I think yeah. that is like mind blowing. And I'll tell you, I think we met at the uh, Dealmakers Live event. I think that was maybe yeah. about a year and a half ago or, or something like that. And I remember feeling so intimidated at the time. That was like my first step into real estate, but I was at the time 
27 years old or maybe I was 26. I don't even remember. But I, I felt like all these guys here, they're all in their 40s and 50s and they're so like old and mature and they've worked. They have so much life experience. And then here I am, this little like nothing that's like getting started in real estate. And like, I just can't imagine that there was someone at the event that was 19 years old also. At least at the time, I didn't know you were 19. But that that is insane. That is crazy. And like, I don't know, for you to like have that maturity at that at that age is like really really awesome. Like, I'm curious, what, what are some of the challenges that like a 19 year old would, would face like getting into the industry? It just seems like such a daunting, you know, place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely was. I remember when I was first getting into it and just started like that bigger pockets learning, I started just networking with people and I'd basically just call people and basically just to talk, hear about them. Cause again, like everything was completely brand new. And some of the biggest things were like, at first was like, am I too young to get started? Like that was obviously a huge one. Right. Number two was like, do I have enough money to get started or how much money do I really need to get started? Because I pretty much had nothing, a couple thousand bucks. Um, and then the other thing I was facing was again, my, my goal was very firm. Like ever since I could remember that I was going to finish college being self-sustaining. So I had to try to figure out how or if real estate was going to be the path to get there. Um, but definitely a ton of lim limiting beliefs in the beginning, for sure. And then your question of how to get over them. The, the biggest thing that helped me get over my limiting beliefs was number one, you have to believe in yourself at least a little bit. If you have, if you don't believe in yourself at all, you know, then that's something you have to work on first. Once you have a little bit of confidence, a little bit of belief, the next thing is getting confidence from, from other people. So I started surrounding myself with people that were ahead of the game, you know, older than me, smarter than me, more accomplished than me. And, you know, they started lifting me up. So like when I started my podcast about a year and a half ago and I started a meet a, a meetup group, I don't, I don't do that anymore. But at the time, the only reason why I started the meetup group is because a guy named Cody Laughlin I was talking to him and I said, yeah, because he, he had a meetup group. I said, now maybe in a year or two, three, four, I'll start my own meetup group. He's like, why don't you just do it now? And I was like, that's a really good point. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even think about that because I'm so new. So just like surrounding yourself with the right people will just bring those thoughts, bring that energy and confidence <laughs> out of you. Right. No, I totally agree. And, and like a book I'm actually in the middle of right now is Who Not How. And I am really taking that to heart. And, you know, the basic idea is that like every single person, we're, we're, we're not like, we don't have, a, we don't really have a cap. And every single person that you are, that you are building a relationship with in this world can either um, bring you up or bring you down. And if you just surround yourself with enough people that can really benefit your life and like really like enhance things and, and, and really like push you and motivate you and help you grow, then you'll, you will just be a higher level human being. And like, I found that to be amazing. So like, that's, that was a great idea. I'm wondering if you faced any like, um, self doubt in terms of like, Hey, like I'm brand new, like maybe I should wait till I do some deals first before I start a podcast or a meetup or, Hey, let me just get started now. And then the deals will follow. Yeah. Well, the original thoughts, everything was that I needed to wait until I had deals and it was, right. so that was like, the, that was the original thing. But again, it was like, it was just people who changed my mindset. And then once I realized that I could start the meetup without having any deals, I'm like, wait, why don't I just start the podcast now instead of waiting? So I kind of just, 
everything snowballs too. If I would never have thought I would have had the podcast until I had the meetup. I'm like, wait, I can do the podcast too now. So things just started snowballing. It definitely took some time too. It doesn't happen overnight, but um, like, so just, and just give some context, the meetup I started happened about six months after rich dad, poor dad. And then the podcast happened like seven to eight months after I read rich dad, poor dad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And then also another point that I just wanted to bring out was that and this this was at least the case for me because I started a pod, this podcast actually also like well before like I even like thought about getting like a deal under contract or anything like that. And for me, it was a little bit about like burning the ships. Um, it was like, hey, um, if I don't really commit myself to this thing, like I don't know if it's really going to happen. And like a sure. great way to commit yourself is to put like, well, one way is to like put your goals out there. And another way is to like establish yourself in this space. So it's like, hey, now, you know, Bailey Kramer does podcasts. He does real estate podcasts. Right. There's no going back now. It's like <laughs> a real estate podcast. And like, same for me. It's like, I do real estate podcasts and like, it, it'll be embarrassing. It'll be like, it, you know, I'll be like embarrassed and, and like feel like a failure if I end up backing out of real estate. So it was like that little push in a way is like, hey, you can do this. And like, this will force you to be successful in this space by like, you know, burning the ships behind you, like leaving right. no other options. So yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, can we talk a little bit about some of the properties that you've been taking down? So I know you've been involved with um, short-term rentals, long-term rentals. What are you kind of focused on mainly right now? And how is your portfolio divided up? Like what's your main focus going forward? Yeah. So the most recent and like kind of the, the main focus now is short-term rentals. So when I got started, I did fix and flips, long-term rentals. And then we started getting, so we got, we started getting, we got one um, lead for a short-term rental. And then that's when like the mindset shift, we're like, wait, we can, what if we take this out as a short-term rental? We did that. And then we saw the numbers coming in and we're like, holy moly, short-term rentals are awesome. So that, that's my focus now. So I, I have two long-term rentals. I've done two fix and flips. I own two short-term rentals. And then I manage about five other uh, short-term rentals for other people as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you know, it's interesting. I'm like, I, I didn't mention this to you, but I actually recently, not recently, like literally like a couple of days ago, closed on my first short-term rental as well. Um, awesome. so and it's very interesting because like before, as of uh, like a month ago or maybe two months ago, like I literally had no idea really like what a short-term rental even like was, what it meant. Yeah. And then I, and then, you know, I started looking into it and I'm like, like, holy cow, like the cash flow on these things are like way better than like I ever would have thought. Like these things really, they do well. And like, it was interesting. Like once I realized that I'm like, Hey, with this, I should really start adding a couple more of these to my portfolio. So right. yeah, we just now got the first one closed and we're going to continue on with that. But one thing that everyone talks about is the, um, the management of these short-term rentals. And I know you started your own management company and you're managing I would assume you're also managing your own um, short-term rentals. What What's that like? Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard to find a good manager? And like, wh- why do most people find that as like such a big struggle? Yeah. So I don't think the management of it is actually hard. I think the biggest, so basically this is how I kind of break down the management, like the simplest way possible. And then I'll kind of tell the challenges behind it. So all my properties that I manage are in like four different states. So I'm in Orlando. I managed two properties in North Carolina, two in Illinois, one in Wisconsin, one in Indiana. And uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I'm kind of just, you know, it's one of those things where 
when you're new to it, you say, yes, you gain the experience and then you kind of niche down and pick one market. I definitely advise that. But people are like, how do you manage all those properties from Orlando? Or can I also like to travel? So I'm, I'm typically somewhere some week, right? So the way I describe it is like this, whether the roof leaks, the doorknobs broken, the guests can't check into their place. I'm not going there to fix that no matter what, whether I'm the next door neighbor or I'm a thousand miles away, I'm not going to be the one fixing the roof or fixing the door handle. I don't care what the problem is. I'm not going there no matter what. Not going to be you. Okay. Right. So the whole point is I just need to be available. At least right now it's just me. So I just need to be available. And when there's an issue, get the right person to go in there. So if the roof leaks, I'm calling a roofer. If, you know, if the, if the air conditioning stop works, isn't working, I'm going to call an HVAC guy. So it's really just like you get the problem and you figure out who to call to solve it. That's really the whole name of the game. And then of course you have like your cleaners on the ground who are turning the property and keep their eyes on the property. There's obviously a little bit more complexity than that, but it's not as crazy. Before I did it, I probably would have thought it was crazy too, but now that I'm doing it, it doesn't really take much time either. Cause we have used software that automates a lot of things. So I'm only needed when there's a problem. And when there's a problem, I just need to know who to call to fix it. Okay. And then another thing that people talk about is like finding like good people, like good, reliable cleaners and, and good, reliable handymen or whatever that would be like, how, how did you go about finding like, you know, so many different people in so many different markets that can all that can you, you can consider all of them to be reliable for you. Was that for a struggle? Sure. Was that hard? It wasn't hard. It just takes a little bit of time. So a couple, couple tips I use for anyone looking to find anybody, like any type of worker for any type of housing is number one, I just look at Google. So first, if they have good reviews, that's a good sign. If they have a website, I like that. Um, and then I literally just call all of them. You know, anyone that looks promising, if they have a two-star review, I'm not going to call them. But if they have a good review, I'm going to call them, get to know them, ask them questions. I like to know that they have experience with short-term rentals. I think that in every single market, you can find somebody who has experience. So I would personally stick to someone who does because they understand the importance, you know, the timetable, all that fun stuff. Um, out of, outside of Google, there's a site called Thumbtack. It's basically, yeah, it's basically a site where you can look up local people in your market. That's another great one for handyman. Uh, furniture assemblers, anything like that. There's also Angie's list. There are Facebook groups. Those are unbelievable. Join your local Facebook group, ask them their recommendations and people will tell you who they liked, why they liked them and who they hated and why they hated them. Okay. So tons of different ways, but you just gotta, you know, check out these different resources and then start hitting the phones, calling them, interviewing them, asking them questions and making sure that they align with you. Got it. Got it. Okay. Beautiful. And do you find, I'm curious if you find like the short-term rental, um, the space, like you mentioned, like the Facebook groups or, you know, whatever that may be, like, do you find them to be like as helpful as they are in say like long-term rentals? Cause I have found like, since I've joined this space, like I'm thrilled with the community, you know, with, uh, just in general real estate, but also in terms of like long-term rentals, everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to help the new guy become successful. Everybody wants to give referrals. Everybody wants to, you know, just help in any way possible. And I, I love that. And like, I'm just wondering if you're seeing the same thing with short-term rentals or maybe like if someone's in that market, it's a little more cutthroat and like, you know, they're holding back a little bit more. Yeah. With, 
I, I think I think it's very similar. I think with short-term rentals, people are still always willing to help. Um, I, I give out tons of resources and calculators and all that fun stuff. No, I think I think it's very similar. I think you know it's the same with all the real estate spaces. People are willing to help, and yeah, I try to be the same way. Right. No, that's amazing. And you know, it's 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 funny because I was literally just the other day telling another a friend of mine that's in, he's in I think the healthcare industry, and I was explaining to him how in real estate, everybody wants to help. And like your, your network can just grow bigger and stronger every single day. And he was saying like, it's not necessarily the same in every industry. And like, it's something we for should sure. appreciate being in real estate for some reason, like you get in, you get into here and like you, you have to like cultivate that mindset of like, you know, you're going to, people are going to help you. And then once you become established enough, then you, you like, you should want to, you should want to give back kind of the same way people helped you get into the industry. And like, sure. I just love that. I love that about real estate in general. It just, it makes me so like, it makes me so happy to see that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Right. Um, all right. So let's dive into, okay. You mentioned earlier um, that in college, you didn't have a lot of money. You had just a couple thousand dollars. Um, you wanted to build this a side hustle, you know, by the time you were finished and, and graduated. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you got these properties. Okay. So you had a couple thousand dollars, like how are you buying multiple properties with a couple thousand dollars, some, some secrets, some tricks of the trade. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> so basically what happened was I essentially, I joined a mastermind group where I got to network with a ton of different people. And when I joined that group, I was basically that's like when I was like, all right, I'm getting serious. I'm joining this group and I am going in. So I spent the next couple of months like practicing. That's what I call it. I was doing all the right motions. I was talking to brokers. I was analyzing deals. I was talking to potential investors. Like I was doing everything right, but the deal never came because obviously deals are hard to come by. It takes time, but it got to a point where I was doing it for a couple of months and I was like, okay, my, now I'm approaching my junior year in college. I really need to, like, I found what I'm, I found what I like and that's real estate, but I really need to start making money and like getting these deals going. So someone from my mastermind group came to me and, th and this happened a lot of times. People came to me and said, Hey, can you help me with this? Came in with that. And I, and I said, yes, 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 yes. And I think that's great in the beginning, but none of, none of the previous ones really panned out, but this one guy came to me and said, Hey Bailey, you know, I have some single family properties but right now I can't find any on the market. They're going like hotcakes. Do you want to help with off gen off market lead generation? And I was like, sure. I don't know. I've never done it before, but I'm, I'm here to try. So essentially we spent about a month or two month, about a month and a half, basically planning, learning together, how to even find off market deals. Cause he had no experience with that. The only experience he had was he was a car salesman like 20 years ago. So he kind of had some of those salesman capabilities, uh, which I do not, but he pretty much taught me this, how to sell a little bit. And then we kind of figured out, you know, what software to use, where to pull the list from all that fun stuff. That took about a month and a half, two months. Then we started hitting the phones and text blasting potential owners. And after doing that for about three months, we landed our first deal, which was a fix and flip. So during that time, again, we we're building up our, our database of potential investors, all that fun stuff. So when that first deal came around, we already had investors on the sidelines. So we had, we brought in um, an investor who helped us buy the property. So it was an $85,000 purchase price. We bought that cash with the investor's money. 
And then it was a $40,000 rehab. So again, we brought in another investor to take care of the rehab cost. So that one, I just paid, I just basically chipped in for closing costs and some minor things like that, which came out to about 2000 bucks. And that's kind of how the first deal went. We, um, it took a little bit longer than anticipated, but it was tons of learning. And once we had that first one under our belt, the power of just community and showing people what we're doing, more people want to get interested, which made the next deals a lot easier. Right. Okay. So quick question to you. Um, what, this person that was looking to build out his pipeline for lead generation, right? Um, ha, like, why did he choose you? you? Like, I'm just wondering, like, at yeah. that point, you haven't done anything yet. You did not have experience yet. Um, was it just because he saw the fire lit under you and like the motivation, like how badly you wanted to succeed? Um, because th there wasn't much of a track record at that point. That's my question. Right. So it's like everyone comes with their own resources, their own strengths and stuff. So in real estate in particular, either you have money, you have experience or which I didn't have either of those, but what I had was time and okay. time is like, honestly, even more important and more valuable when you pair them together than I think anything, because, you know, he was a little bit older. He had, um, he already had kids. He had a wife, like he didn't have the time I had as a college student. So there wasn't really, you know, he wasn't going to partner with another guy who had family and kids because they're all so, super busy. He needed someone like me who can hustle, who has the time to do it. That is so interesting. And like just yesterday, I was talking to a guy in the gym and like this guy, I see him probably like once a month in the gym. I go more frequently than that, but I just see him once a month. And um, he was asking me about real estate and he had been interested in like getting started and everything. And he was kind of asking like, Hey, w what's my first step? Like, how do I figure out like how to like, how do I partner up with good people? And like, how do I start taking deals down? And I said, exactly what you just said. I said, like, there's really, it comes down to like, there's a few parts to real estate. There's not that many. And then I said, you need to figure out like what it is that you think you can be good at or what value you can add to a real estate relationship. And then, you know, go and partner with people that have other strengths. And that's exactly it. But I think this should be like really inspiring to like a lot of the listeners, maybe the like the younger demographic or people that don't have money. Like here's a guy, Bailey, coming in straight from college, didn't have money, didn't have experience. And this guy's building up a portfolio. Like it's cool. It's crazy cool. And like, it just goes to show like money, didn't have money that didn't stop him didn't have experience that didn't stop him he got you know he got creative and resourceful and he made it happen I, I think that's really really amazing and then you know also within like once you get into real estate you start realizing that you can start leveraging other people's money to start to take your deals down so you can build a portfolio literally with zero dollars down it sounds like a scam and it sounds <laughs> like it's not real like you see on youtube where you know like um you know, become a millionaire with zero money down. Like, but it's yeah. true. It really is true. You got to be creative and you got to, you know, be like loyal to your investors and, and honest and, and good communicator and all that stuff. But it's definitely like more than true and possible. It's done every, literally every single day. For sure. And one, one more thing I want to add to that that I didn't mention is all the deals that I've done. Cause another one of the big questions I get from a lot of younger people is how, how can I get a mortgage? I can't, I can't, I can't qualify for a mortgage. Right. So I hear that a lot all, also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all the deals that I've done have not been through the bank. It has all been either seller financing. It has been that, um, yeah, cash. So seller financing cash or subject to, so those, those are all just creative strategies that anyone can use. Some take more hustle than others for sure. They're not, you know, can't just walk up to a seller right now and close tomorrow. It's not that easy. 
but it takes time. But again, it's, it's getting creative and just figuring out what situation you're in and then seeing how you can accomplish your goals with that situation. Got it. No, that's beautiful. And would you mind just explaining real quick, like subject to, what does that mean to the listeners, people that don't know? Yeah. So subject to is very, in in very, in a very simplified example, it's kind of like taking over someone else's payments. So like, I think it's more common with cars where, you know, someone has a lease on their car and they're like, all right, I don't want this car anymore. I don't, maybe I don't want to make the payments. So they can basically assign that payment over to somebody else. So very similar with a more with an actual mortgage where you go to, you know, Wells Fargo, Chase or wherever you get a mortgage on your property. When I come in and buy something subject to the mortgage actually stays in that seller's name. So that doesn't change, but me as the owner or sorry, excuse me, me as the buyer, I am now responsible for that mortgage via a, a contract and the deed to the house is transferred to me. Wow. While the mortgage, again, still stays in that seller's name. Okay. And then why would the seller want to do it? Because he just can't make these payments anymore or? Yeah, like what- a, a, lot, a lot of different um, scenarios. And I just want to start with, I've, I've only, so I've done one of one subject, two. I've done four seller finances and then one cash. Wow. So I personally like the seller financing route a lot better. I think it's a lot more practical. I think it's a lot more common, a lot more accepted. I think seller financing is like 10 times better. So, but to answer your question with the subject too, and this is really with, with seller financing or cash, it's really about finding like the motivation from the seller. There's always a reason why they want to sell. So you have to just figure that out. And then these different strategies that I'm mentioning are just tools in my tool belt that I can pull out to use to help solve their issue. So the one that we did subject to, just to give you the quick story on that one, the guy was in the military. He bought the house about a year ago using a VA loan. So with a VA loan, you have to put 0% down. Okay. Well, when he bought the property, he kind of over, he, he bought it from a little bit more than it was worth. So a year later, even in today's crazy market, believe it or not, he didn't really have any equity in his house. But he had to move to Texas for another military thing. His, him, him and his family were moving down. And he needed to buy a house down in Texas. Now, the problem he had was he spent all this cash that he had on his new fancy truck, his new car. And he again, must have he, not he must have not read Rich Dad Poor Dad. <laughs> he definitely did not read Rich Dad Poor Dad. So to buy a so first of all, to sell his house. He had to come out of pocket for realtor fees. He had to come out of pocket for closing costs, all the, all that fun stuff, which he literally did not have. Like he didn't have 20 grand to his name. So, and also at the same time, he had to move to Texas and had to, again, start all over, get another mortgage, all that fun stuff. So our solution to him was, listen, if you, if you well, his problem was like, he couldn't sell his house because if he did, he would have to come money out of pocket, which he did not have. So we said to him, listen, instead of you selling your property on, on the market, we'll buy it subject to. So you'll keep your mortgage in place. We'll, you know, with the contract, this is all with lawyers. Do not do this yourself. We had a contract where we'll pay his mortgage payments for him. We're responsible for his mortgage payments now. So when he went to Texas to buy a new house, 
that's like the other big question is, well, if he has, a, if he has a, already has a mortgage in his name, how can he buy another property and another with another mortgage? So, right. yeah. So when he buys the other property in Texas, he can actually show his lender that he's not obligated to that debt anymore because we are via our contract. So when he does that, the mortgage lender, it's like they're, it's required that they, that they write off about, I think it's 80 to 90% of that debt. So instead of saying on his records, he owes $200,000 to a bank. Now he only owns, owes 10 to 20, which makes his status look a lot better. And it makes him eligible to qualify for a new loan. Right. That's amazing. So a couple of things I want to just take away. One is you, it wasn't just about the price. It wasn't just about like, Hey, let's give you this price. Can we make it work? Can we not? That's how most people traditionally are trained to right. think in terms of real estate. You got creative, you figured out what his true motivation was, right? What he needed. And then at the end of the day, you created a win-win situation where he feels like he got a good deal. You feel like you got a great deal and everybody walks away happy. And then also like, it's just cool that like now you have the, that now that you have those experiences with subject to and seller financing and buying all cash and everything, like it's just another tool in your toolbox that makes you that much more valuable and allows you to take down that many more deals. So many people will come to this seller, talk to them and then walk away because they feel like there's no deal to be had over here. Whereas you right. now with these extra tools, you're going to walk in there you're going to be like, okay, that didn't work. How about this? That didn't work. How about this? It just allows you to take down that many more deals. And I, I think that's like beautiful. Like, I love that. That's amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah. Cause especially in today's market, if a property sitting on the market for too long, I mean, these are like, these are easier deals to find all the things we were doing was all off market, but for people who's, who like, look at like one of the easiest things to do is like go on Zillow or Redfin filter by houses that have been on the market for more than 45 days. If it's been on the market for more than 45 days, there's a reason for it. One of the biggest reasons is because sellers are stuck on their price. That's just it. They don't want to come down. They think that their house is worth that much. So that's okay because we can buy it at their price as long as they give us the terms that we want. Right. Price is like, price is one of those things where like people are really attached to it. Same thing with it. it people are very attached to the price. They think that price is, is everything. Well, if, it, if I can buy a house for a million dollars and get a 0.01% interest right right? Hypothetically, you and seller financing, just hypothetical. Well, my mortgage payment is going to be a lot lower than if I bought it for $500,000 at a 5% interest rate. That's just a simplistic example, but just, it's not all about the price. It's about the terms. And that's one huge way that you can buy more property as long as you get the right terms. I love that. I love that. It's amazing. Anyways, okay, let's get into the final four. This is a little bit more like rapid question answer type. Um, What is your why? I'm sure you have a really good one. You're 19. You're not 19 anymore, but you started at 19. You must have a good why. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also for those listening, I'm 21 now. You're 21. So okay. still, still, um, you're, you're still like average, like 10 to 20 years younger than the average person getting started <laughs> in real estate. So, <laughs> yeah. So the why is really all about a couple things. It's about having time freedom. That's number one is like, I just need to step back and have time. If I could have time freedom, then the next step allows me to focus on things that are really important to me. So like that's family, that's giving back. I mean, not having to, it, it's kind of like that, that saying of like, I want to do what I want, where I want, when I want. It's just having that peace of mind. Cause that's honestly like money is like one of the biggest stressors to like literally life. 
So if I can take care of that and drop that stress burden, I'll have, uh, and, and also not be attached to a W2 job. Well, right there, I not, not only have less stress, but now I have more time freedom to do and be with the people that I want to be with. I don't have to go to a meeting at on Saturdays because I can be with my family because I, because I'm, I'm in control and I make the decision. So all about freedom, all about family. I love that. And like one example I always give, like when talking about this, it's like, you don't have to be 50 years old and ask your boss if you can go to the dentist at three o'clock in the middle of the day. You can right. just go to the dentist if you wish. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, that's just like one thing I always think about and like, it helps motivate me. Um, For sure. But yeah, I definitely love that. And like, you know, Joe Fearless um, says this in his book. He says that most people are good people. And if they only had more free time, more good things would happen in the world. So that very much like aligns with what you're saying, like time freedom, why time freedom, not so that you can like buy a Rolls Royce and, and, and buy a mansion and a yacht, like if you want, you could, but at the end of the day, like the, the time that you're freeing yourself up, you're able to do more good things, give more back to the community, um, live more stress-free. You'll have more time for your family and your loved ones. It's just a beautiful, it's a great why. And I love it. What is your, what's your favorite book? Got to go back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's ah, such okay. a classic. It's it's like, it's one of those books where I even heard it a bunch of times, or actually I didn't, but well, on, on podcasts now, everyone talks about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And there's some other books that people just mention over and over and over again. And that might be this, that might be the kind of the situation for someone else. So if, if, for, if someone has not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad yet, and they're listening to this podcast, this is your sign to just buy the book. It's like $5, I think on Amazon, which is like crazy for that book. It should be worth like 500 literally. Right. And um, yeah, so Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's, it's, it's a must read. Absolutely. Um, yeah, probably the highest return on your investment that you'll ever get, right? From, from a single <laughs> oh, yeah. book like that. Um, for sure. All right. Okay. What advice would you give somebody just looking to get started in real estate? What's the first step? Where does he go? What does he do or she? So- Getting started in real estate, I, I break it down into five steps. The first one, you have to educate yourself. Basically, the reasoning behind it is real estate, people like you, you say real estate, and it's like people who don't really know what it is, they go, oh, wow, like, yeah, you're a realtor. And it's like, no, there's so much in real estate. There's so many different asset classes. There's so many different strategies. So the first step you need to do is just learn about them because the second step, which is, figuring out what's actually best for you is you, you need to actually know what you're going to analyze first. So for example, is fix and flip. You need to learn, you know, just basic understanding of fix and flips, wholesaling, you know, just long-term rentals, short-term rentals. And then when you look at your situation, you say, okay, I'm 21 years old. I have no money. My goal right now is to accumulate a lot of money, like big chunks of change, 10, $20,000 at a time. Well, people talk about passive income, well, right now I'm not too, too stuck on passive income because I'm, especially in the beginning, I'm more focused on getting money in my pocket. So it's really just picking a strategy that aligns with your goals. Everyone's talking passive income when they don't have any money. And I don't think that's, because it's just kind of a buzzword, right, but you really right. need to know, it needs to align with you. If it doesn't align with you, then it's not going to actually accomplish anything. It's just going to sound fancy. Exactly. No, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Um, what is your favorite hobby? Favorite hobby by far is traveling. So these past like 12 weeks, I've been traveling on a plane about 10 out of the 12 weeks. And that's what I like. I love traveling, <laughs> I love exploring new places. Right. That's, that's my thing. 
I love it. And I follow you on Instagram. So I see, <laughs> I'm always <laughs> seeing like you like in the airplane, like taking pictures of the wing or whatever, <laughs> but uh, cool stuff. Um, all right, Bailey, where can people contact you? Best way is Instagram. I have all my socials on Instagram. My link in my bio has, you know, my, my Facebook, my LinkedIn, my website, my podcast, everything. So if you have Instagram or yeah, if you have Instagram, catch me there. You can just look at my name, Bailey Kramer. I think my handle is the underscore Bailey underscore Kramer because Bailey Kramer was taken. And ah, some yeah, other guy. We, huh? <laughs> we, yeah. This mother Bailey Kramer. <laughs> You're the real one though. Just so you know. Um, all right. Awesome. Excellent. Well, Bailey, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was a great conversation. Uh, we really, we, you know, we dove into a lot of cool conversations, a lot of things they haven't discussed before in this podcast. So yeah, once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing so much value and wishing you lots of continued success. Let's stay in touch. Thanks, Penny. Appreciate it. Take care now. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast with Penny Lubinsky. For more free, valuable content, visit plcapitalventures.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review and rating on iTunes and subscribe to our channel. This helps the podcast grow and get noticed. See you next time.